The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host, for the show that defends public health by simplifying and demystifying how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into freedom, a healthy gut, and staying young, this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Heroes Show. Parker Howell in the house. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Tim. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks, man. Really appreciate that. So you guys are in for a special treat tonight. We're going to get into some really cool stuff. Uh, I was referred to uh, uh, my buddy, Sean Enton, the, AKA the stroke hacker. Uh, I've had him on before and Sean was doing jujitsu training and got in a chokehold, crushed an artery in his neck, and he ended up stroking out and had to relearn how to walk and talk again. And the, the reason I brought Parker on me, Sean referred him to me because Parker helped Sean tremendously with some love and some technology that he uh, put together. Um, we're going to talk about today, which is quite phenomenal. So um, when you guys hear about this, it's going to blow your mind. But anyway, Sean's left arm doesn't really work that much at all. And Sean uh, said, uh, Parker said that Sean told him that he hadn't even looked at his arm for 10 years just because it doesn't work. It's just kind of like a dead arm there. So his right arm, he's doing pretty good with. So Sean built these virtual headset thing. You can talk more about it. I'm just going to give the, you know, the redneck version and, <laughs> and put it on and started doing some exercises. And these exercises actually like um, virtually made Sean feel like so he could actually see his arm moving, but it kind of wasn't. And then it started moving and I guess it's supposed to work in like six months or something, but long story short within, what was it? A couple of weeks. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks. I, I love the redneck version of it, by the way, too. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of weeks later, here's a guy that's got a dead arm, hasn't worked, and all of a sudden with this technology, he's not only just moving his arm, like the first session, right? He moved his arm, and he's like blown away, but in like he was lifting his arm completely over his head, guys. So this is like like breakthrough stuff. It's really amazing. And um, and just, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this at the end, but I think it's so important. Um, those listening, if you know of somebody that um, is in the medical community um, or that would like to fund this project and bring this technology to the masses to help people heal, like this is legit. Like my my buddy Sean uh, was talking up Parker big time and like this really happened. So like I was telling Parker, I, I want to get on this other technology. You have another technology too, the cosmic looking glass that we're going to talk about. Um I wanted to do it right now before, but I have to buy this little, these Oculus Quest glasses or something. So I'll go do that and then I'll do it. I always like to have first person experience, but if I have a good friend, somebody that I know, like, and trust that doesn't lie, right? Like Sean and, um, and he got his arm moving. He hasn't moved his arm in 10 years. That's a big freaking deal. That's a big freaking deal. So we're going to get back and we'll get more into that later, but I want to get into uh, Parker into your backstory because it's, it's actually freaking deep. It's amazing. Um, so why don't you get into like, go back to age five. And when your father showed you how to digitally draw a house on your black and white Macintosh classic computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going, we're starting from the top here. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I remember my very first moment with a computer. My, my dad had bought this uh, Apple Classic back in the day. He worked in an advertising agency. And back then they had to literally paste and cut out their text and put it on type and set everything by hand. And he went up to his boss. He said, we need to get one of these computers so that we can be you know, part of the future. And he, his boss says no. So he goes, I'm just going to buy it. I'm just going to rent it out to the, to the company. Mm-hmm. And so I'm five. I'm sitting there. He's got the computer. He's like, hey, Parker, let me show you how to draw stuff inside a computer. And so we, we're building this little house. And he, he builds part of it. And he does a, a copy and a paste. And he moves it over to the other side. And I was just like, it just blew my mind. I was like, wait, where did that come from? What do you mean copy and paste? Like, how many of these can you build? Like, and he goes, well, it's infinite. It's ones and zeros. It's all inside the computer, whatever you want to make. It's, it's endless. And so he kind of just let me play with it for a little bit and walked off into the other room and came back a minute later and I crashed the whole system by just copying and pasting and grabbing everything and trying to make infinite copies of everything and just like trying to test the limits of what could be done. And well, he came back. He's like, okay, well, you can't make infinite. It's like, there's some <laughs> limits to what can be done in the space. Um, but it was like, it just instantly hit for me that the digital space has different rules than the rest of life. Everything else in life has the scarcity. But when you're working in the digital, you know, the horizon is, is what's ever on that microchip. And, and that's just um, that's increasing exponentially at this point. So that was really kind of the beginning of my fascination with this technology. Awesome. And then you went on um, and you got really excited about filmmaking after that, right? Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, sure thing. Um, from the film world, like obviously Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all these kind of fantastic adventures. Um, I got into that space. I, I loved it. You know, we were making films all through high school, um, ended up going to Chapman University uh, to study filmmaking out there. And my, my whole thought is just like, Filmmaking is just the most emotional. It's the most evocative. It just really touches people, you know, sitting in those theaters as a kid, you watch a movie and you come out of it feeling like a changed person. You're like, wow, my viewpoint, my horizons of what I can do in my lifetime have just been increased a little bit from this experience. So I got into the filmmaking originally um, after Chapman University, went out to Hollywood and well, hold on a second. You, sure you, thing. you were a, a science fair finalist. I want to know what a short ranged carbon dioxide ballistics generator is. Sure thing. Yeah. The short range carbon dioxide ballistics generator. Every, every, um, every school has to have one really. Um, basically what we did is we built uh, dry ice bombs and put them in a PVC pipe and we shot a, uh, a softball it was like 300 feet was i think was the distance that we shot it and um yeah it was it was funny because i remember the group they're like i don't know maybe we should do a uh maybe we should do a volcano out of baking soda and, and vinegar and i was like oh come on guys that's been done let's build a cannon yeah. <laughs> that's freaking cool uh, yeah you were a, you got in the science fair finalist for that i remember what we did we would we would take like um Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's those stretchy tubes, you know, it's just like stretch tubes. And then we would tie, um, get a patch of leather. And then we would tie, you know, tie two on each side and then take three people. And one guy would hold one side and the other guy would hold the other one. And we put like a baseball in it and you'd be at home plate and, you know, hitting a home run and go over the fence is a big deal. And then we had these massive, big, huge trees behind it that were like super old. And we let go of that sucker 
it it was still going up and out over the big trees. And if, I mean, that thing was like clear way over to the railroad tracks. We were like, holy crap. I mean, we couldn't even believe how far it went. But so then what we would do is we would um, all the kids would gather. We used to call it cruising the gut and they would go from Safeway parking lot down to taco time parking lot. So what we did was we would um, hide out and we would shoot either the kids or other people way down there with water balloons and that thing would launch water balloons so i know how fun that is <laughs> oh my a- gosh the water balloons from like a distance is always incredible because everyone's just like where the hell did that come from yeah they don't know where it's at you can even see them they don't even know it's because it goes so far but okay so you're you're moving on from college then what then what happened your f- career in film and television yeah so um after school you know went up to hollywood essentially and pretty much luckily got like right into the television industry which was which was awesome um and i got in through the digital arts side of it uh motion design originally it's called essentially it's called screens design the first show i was ever on was was dancing with the stars and the way their whole show works is the floor and all the led screens that wrap around the stage um those are what changes the setting of every given number. So, you know, if they come on for this, you know, cha-cha, then we go, okay, let's do like a little Brazilian flair. And we throw up all these different graphics and animation. And um, it was, it was really awesome working with them because they were kind of, um, they were at the forefront of doing the projection mapping. We would really go in and we would figure out basically mathematically where the cameras were set up inside the studio. And we would use that data to go in and make graphics that were perfectly set up for wherever the given cameras were set up in the scene. And they would switch them live so that this camera would shoot it and you'd have this angle with the graphics and then they'd switch it over to a different camera. And you just create this kind of digital illusion that these people are in this really complex um, digital environment. And so you could switch them for they start doing swing dance and all of a sudden they're in a barn. (laughs) <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> <laughs> a redneck reference so so then you you actually did this um this short film called oh the places you'll go at burning man now a lot of people um are familiar with burning man but some people aren't maybe you can just give them the 15 30 second rundown on burning man um and then what you did sure i mean burning man is this kind of magical place it's you can refer to it, some people call it like a, a temporary autonomous zone. And it's just a place where you go for a week on the salt flats of northern Nevada. And it's an exercise in anarchy and self-expression and inclusion. And it's basically the challenge to everyone who goes out to Burning Man to make their life art. And however that's expressed, if it's through designing intricate costumes. Um, A lot of engineers go out there and just build these massive moving uh, art structures. Like one of the first ones I really remember was El Pulpo Mechanico, which is this giant metal octopus that just (laughs) flies through the playa shooting fireballs off and a bunch of people are following it on their bikes. Um, It was originally started by a guy that just went out to the desert to change his life, right? He took all of his possessions, put them in a pile and burnt them, right? Originally, um, the story was uh, Larry Harvey was a guy up in the Bay Area, and he was going through this terrible emotional breakup, and he was just kind of a free thinker, and he he went out to the beach and built this effigy <laughs> to, like, mourn the loss of this love in his life. Oh, okay. 
and he burnt this effigy and then like a few people who were there like this is awesome we should do this every year and like (laughs) next year like there was like twice as many people and then it just kept growing exponentially now it's like eighty thousand people out in the desert yeah it's insane i had some friends go it's a lot a lot of prep time and you know preparing for the alkaline it uh, is between yeah yeah you gotta go you gotta bring in everything you build your own little city you build your own entertainment for people all your water um everything that you bring in you gotta pack out and you bring in your fire gear because you want to go and spend fire on the playa and you have to build shelters for these crazy desert dust storms that just come whipping through and anything that's not staked down is just instantly flown into the air yeah so so yeah, for our health heroes listening out there, I just want to give you guys a little taste. You can just Google Burning Man when you're done listening to this. It's quite the thing. Um, so you did this short film called Oh, the Places You'll Go at Burning Man, and it became like a, it went viral, right? Yeah, so the first year I went out there, I went out there with um, Teddy Sounders, Will Walsh, two of my longtime filmmaking friends, and we set out to make our art project for that year. It was going to be, we were going to do this film. It was Dr. Seuss's Other Places You'll Go, the very last book he wrote on his deathbed. And what we did is we got on our bikes and we rode all through the playa and we found all the art that we thought really kind of matched the tone of the moments throughout the book. The story is essentially the story of like, hey, you're about to go on this quest through life and you're gonna have ups and downs and trials and tribulations, you know, successes and losses. And it's, it's really just this beautiful, epic, life-affirming poem. And we went around all of Burning Man with cue cards and we found the people who we felt like they embodied the moments and we had them all read each and every one of these little pieces of the poem and cut the whole thing together. It was like so much work. Part of us were like, we were like, this is too much work. Like we want to go and just party and, and, and do whatever. And then the other part of us was like, this is really the way to experience the playa because it's motivation and it pushes you through and it's tough and it's a struggle. And like through all of that, that's where you get the most out of anything in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had just the best time and it, it was a, it was a long piece. It, and it took us months and months to edit it. We found this amazing uh, composer, Darius Aubert. And by the time we were ready to release it, it was pretty much right before they put tickets on sale for the next burning man and so we release it and it just blew up like overnight like instantaneously i remember there was some kind of influencers in the burning man community that we sent it off to first and we thought it would be a big deal in the burning man community but it it was everywhere it was huffington post it was google it it was on front pages of a lot of things and then next thing you know burning man tickets go on sale and then all the conspiracy theorists are coming out. They're going like, oh, Burning Man paid these guys to go in and make this film and, and it's going to ruin Burning Man forever. <laughs> and and um, yeah, it, it, that was our, really our, our first experience out of the playa. And literally, it changed my life. You know, the whole next year, all we did is think about the burn and preparing for the burn. And, and I had learned, um, along with my other friends, how to spin fire out there. And so that's next, where you had your spiritual awakening was at the at the burn, right? Yeah, very much so. I, you know, it's it's really difficult to even kind of explain how touching it is, but I think for a lot of first time burners, come back from the experience just thinking 
they're like, there's no excuse to play it small. There's no excuse to not be self-expressed, not to make every day a work of art. And that's what the playa is. That's every person you meet, their eyes are wide open. They're, they're, they're saying, basically, you have so much to give the world. And that's kind of what is with you ever after the berm. And you just kind of go through life feeling like I have a lot to give. And, and yeah, so, so after that, we, we joined the fire circus out in LA and um, traveled the world with them for, for years, performing at concerts as a fire spinner and um, still doing the TV work and, and basically, yeah, just living this really kind of fun, artistic, you know, vibe out there in Los Angeles. That's cool. And I, I thought it was really cool, though. You actually got into yoga and Reiki, which are two things that are very important to me, um, and then became a competitive martial artist as well. Yeah, I, I'd actually love, Tim, to hear about your experience with Reiki. Well, um, I think I've shared it before, um, but I think it, for those listening, sorry to be redundant, but I'll share it. Those that are, haven't heard it, here it go. So when I went to <clears throat> Hippocrates Health Institute, um, to make a long story short, what what I was told there was that people that are like rough, tough cowboys from from Canada would would get cancer, and then when Western medicine would fail them, they would end up at like a Hippocrates type health institute to try to save their butt, right? And somewhere three, four days into the process, they're getting massaged, and all of a sudden they start crying uncontrollably for an hour to two hours, and then we'd wake up and or we'd come out of it, and they're so just drenched in sweat, and the massage therapist they're like they're apologizing, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and the massage therapist, no, this is like this is why you're here, right? So they were releasing some some negative stuff from childhood, maybe their dad beat them or whatever it was. Like these were these were guys that were like literally living, you know, drinking coffee and eating a baked potato, a chunk of meat next to a barbed wire fence out in the middle of the woods, right? So I heard about that experience and that this kind of stuff happened. The second time I went back to Hippocrates, I didn't go there for my friend Charles. I went for me. I wanted to go there and just experience it for me and really dive into myself. And um, I, I, I met my buddy Adam, who we're still good friends with, a gal named Crystal. Um, Crystal um, and I, when we were first there, she was just telling me about these boyfriends. We were just sitting by the pool. There was like nobody around. And she's like having, and she's like, my life's all left up, right? And she starts crying. And I was like, oh, it's okay. You know, and then all of a sudden I felt this wave in me. And all of a sudden I started crying for about an hour. And I, I, an hour, we just held each other and just wept and cried. And we were both soaked, just like that, like that cowboy story that Brian Clement was telling at the Institute. And we were both like, what the hell was that? Like we couldn't stop. Right. And all I could tell you is I felt like I was, you know, floating around on a magic carpet. I felt like a million pounds was taken off my back that I didn't even know was there. So I go home. And the woman who was a massage therapist was also a Reiki master. And I was a financial advisor at the time. And every time I'd walk into her office, she'd be like, hello, Tim, how are you? Come on in, have a seat. I've got some Roman chamomile essential oil going over here. I think you're going to enjoy that. And you can just, uh, you know, get undressed. And this is, you know, I'm playing, you know, Mozart, you know, whatever. And you have a seat and I'll be back in just a moment. And she leave, nicest lady ever, right? And I do my thing. And that was it, dude. Every freaking week for a year and a half that I was in that building, I would go get a massage. I think it was on Fridays. And um, she was, it was like, repeat. She was the nicest lady. That was the system, right? Well, after I had this emotional release at Hippocrates, I come back and I walk into her office. And the first thing she goes, what happened to you? And I'm just like, 
I mean, she's freaking me out, dude, because she's this nice, calm. Hi, Tim. Just the nicest lady ever, right? She's like, what happened to you? And I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? She's like, something big has changed for you. She goes, I can feel it a mile away. And I was just like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, well, let me be clear with you, Tim. Do you know why? Did you know that I put you, you're my last client of the day? And I was like, no. She's like, the reason I do that is because when I work on you, I'm completely exhausted. I could no longer work on anybody else, right? She's talking about the energetics part. So when she's doing massage, she's not just doing massage. She's doing Reiki on me, right? Which I thought was all woo-woo BS. So she goes, normally I put you at the end of the day because I'm so tired and exhausted. Um, and she goes, you're carrying, you've been carrying around a huge burden. And um, I'm very excited to work on you today and see what this changes that's happened in you. And um, I'm like, okay. And then she tells me their stuff. The, here's, you know, lavender essential oil, have a seat, you know, I'm playing, playing Beethoven and boom, I go down and she works on me for an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And then afterwards she's like, okay, we're all done. And I looked up at her and I was like, are you okay? You know, cause I'm like a decent person. I'm like, I didn't know I was like hurting her. I felt terrible after a year and a half, you know? And she's like, oh no. And she's like, I'm fine. I was like, she goes, I could work on you all day long. So tell me, Tim, what happened to you? on this trip to West Palm beach when you went to this Institute. And I was like, you know, I was thinking, trying to figure it out. And she's like, think about stuff emotional. Finally, I was like, well, I did cry for an hour with this, this girl. And she's like, ah, and then we, she just kept asking questions and digging. And, and then all of a sudden I realized that it was, I was going through a child custody battle with my kids and I was a very competitive person. I don't want to lose. And, but what I noticed was, is that my, my, the, the kid's mom at the time and I, sometimes we would get into arguments and the kids would be around. And I read a book called for my, 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 uh, uh, therapist, therapist gal that I was going to see. Um, she said that you need to get this book. It was called caught in the middle children of high conflict divorce. So anybody out there that has kids or is going through a divorce, you need to read this book like right now. And because it says that if, if, if the kids know anything about what's going on, they feel it, you're going to, you're going to really hurt them for life. Right now with my new spiritual practice, I think it's, you know, that could be also looked at as contrast and that could be as a tool to strengthen them as well later in life, depending on how they look at it. But anyway, so at that point in time, I'm like, I have to, I, I walked away from the whole situation. I said, um, I'm, I'm not going to fight you anymore. And she thought I was, what do you, what's up? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm out. I'm like, I, I don't want to hurt the kids. You can have full custody. I'm out. So it was the hardest thing I ever had to do, but looking forward, I was thinking about the long term. Now I'm working. I have a great relationship with my children. Um, you know, I took them up to Alaska last, last June, we went fishing and stuff like that it was really cool. Um, something that they wanted to do and it was awesome. So that was my experience with Reiki. Um, I went from not believing, thinking it was all woo woo bullshit to in that meeting, that meeting, that interaction with her to like, this is legit. Like, because there's no way this lady would know any, I mean, it was just like, it was night and day. And I knew there was a biophysical and emotional change in me just because I could feel it just after the crying session, after I was doing the emotional detox. So my friend, that was my experience, first experience with Reiki. And um, I've been very happy and pleased to um, have Reiki sessions ever since. You're uh, very much an empiricist. It's, it's, it's kind of the story of your life is you're like, naturally the skeptic and then you're like i want to do it i want to experience it let me see what it is let me feel it for myself and then you're open to anything once you can explore it 
Essentially. Yeah. And then I, I, I become like Paul Revere and I have to show, I have to tell everybody about it. <laughs> and I try to become a good storyteller, like you were talking about or in your, in your, in your bio and stuff. So, okay. So let's keep going. Let's, uh, I was, I was looking at this. So you're, you're doing yoga, Reiki, you've been running around fire. So you're doing all these things, but you're still in deep into tech, right? So, and, and from there, you know, then you started, um, you know, you did a whole bunch of different cool stuff. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up the, the story of Parker Howell? Oh, uh, sure. I mean, I guess touching on the yoga and the Reiki, it's a lot of that all just goes into the, the athletic side, really. You know, jo joining the fire circus. Before that, I was a rugby player. Um, I'm a jujitsu player nowadays. Really a lot of, like, my professional life is in the tech world. And then just have this rich life in athletics. And I'm always looking for ways to strengthen, to increase mobility, flexibility, um, to make yourself more dynamic. Um, that was a big part of the circus. You join the fire circus, you're a fire spinner, but they're like, okay, I want you to try this too. I want you to play ukulele for these people. I want you to do a magic show here. You're always trying to grow. Um, and that's really you know, where I happened into like my Reiki master. Um, and what we did really is we did work that was called integration, which is, you know, that, that Jungian shadow, which is essentially to say that there are these different divided parts of yourself. And what you need to go and do is you need to face the parts of yourself that you've been taught to, or you've been suppressed and you need to go and integrate and be fully yourself so that you're not completely off kilter. You know, that's kind of the first step to, to learning it. And then really just working Reiki into a daily practice. Um, waking up in the morning, getting your heartbeat going, getting your body moving, getting everything warm. And then, you know, the Reiki, it's, it's funny because like I grew up in a, in a very uh, much a Christian heritage and there seemed like there were just infinite, you know, similarities, you know, in prayer, whether it be prayer to a God, prayer to the universe, to whatever it be. Um, but to go in and set your sights on what it is that really matters to you in life and to really do that on a daily basis, I just think is, is, is really powerful for anyone to just get really clear first thing in the morning on what it is that your mission is and get connected to yourself. Um, so that's, that's really where, where Reiki came in. And, you know, then it, then it came up later in the tech space for sure. Yeah. So and that's what we'll, I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. And then when we get back, I want to talk about these two different technologies. The first one was the one I was talking about earlier was that tech you built to help Sean Enton get his arm moving that had been basically laying there atrophying for 10 years. And the other one was the cosmic looking glass. This is a guided meditation through, as you said, it's a galactic fantasy scape um, that takes the, the person doing the journey inside themselves to heal their body, mind, and spirit. And we'll talk about that when we, when we return. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise 
no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back in the house. We've got Parker Howell. I love saying that. It's a cool name, dude. <laughs> and we've been talking about Burning Man, Reiki, and now let's get into some digital healing. So the first uh, technology that I want you to share is this, uh, this cosmic looking glass, which is something that was kind of inspired from what you learned in your virtual world and yoga and Reiki and and you put this together in like two weeks and it's like a 12 minute guided meditation. So like, how did that all come about and what, what does it, what, what does it do? Sure. Um, well, essentially what happened is I was going full force in tech and entertainment and then pandemic comes and it's just turning the lights off and all production in Los Angeles and everything's just kind of slow into a halt. My godfather, um, he gets, COVID, he gets super sick, ends up in the hospital. And our whole family is just like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's, it's in the beginning. It's just, there's so much uncertainty about it. And I'm in this place where I'm like, I feel healthy. I feel driven. Like I have this extra time because all my productions have been pushed back. And so I find myself meditating and praying and just asking the universe, how can I be of service? You know, what can I do? What, what, how can I take these gifts and, and, and be of some use to people in this crazy time? And it's like a lightning bolt. Like this experience, I journaled about it a little bit. Like I got a journal full of all the different VR ideas that come up as they go, but it was just like, this is the one. And basically what happens inside this space is we've created a liminal space inside of virtual reality, a sacred place where you can go, you step out of the world, you put the headset on, and you are seated right at the edge of this spiraling galaxy. And, you know, it's funny, it's my voice, you know, <laughs> I would love to get someone else to do it. But like, at the time, it was literally, we had a recording studio at my house, <laughs> my roommate recorded it. And I'm just like, we got to just go, we got to make this happen. And it takes you inside your body. And the first bit of it really is about shaking off unwanted energy and then listening into your body and really from like the classic kind of kundalini or reiki traditions it takes you through your chakra system and it's really just about getting connected and seeing what your body's telling you and then there's this classic technique where you would close your eyes normally and you would visualize yourself sending this healing energy through your body and it's just, it's, it's proven across like all different modalities that this kind of, um, it's a sixth sense, actually, it's called proprioception. And it's the ability to take your consciousness inside. But to do that, to close your eyes, to visualize sending white healing light and love and energy, um, it just is an incredible experience. So what was really cool about it in the time is Oculus had just come out with this new technology called hand tracking. And I got it all wired up so that when you're moving your hands over your body, you actually see the energy that you are imagining in your mind. So you see the energy coming out of your fingertips and you push it through these different centers of your body. And from like a kind of classic neurolinguistic programming standpoint, what you're doing is you're connecting these different threads inside your body. You're connecting all these different strings. If you, if you want something to be impactful, you give it more dimensions, you give it 
if it's if it's something visual then put music to it if it's something physical what if it also has a smell the more things that you can connect to sensually yeah. the stronger the signal the more impactful the experience so to connect one's proprioception with visual and auditory cues i was like this this should be great for just heightening the experience and then obviously the other important part of like anything is just the breath and so in the experience like this this um what helps guide you on the breath is just this pulsating light at the middle of the universe. And you're just trying to breathe along with it and slow yourself down. And um, I just, you know, once I'd shared it with a few people, I was just really fascinated. I was just like, I think this can really help a lot of people. And so, you know, in the middle of the pandemic with everything else going on, I just decided to put it out there um on the side quest store and it's really just out there for anyone to use anyone with an oculus quest one or two um it's by donation based because i just want to get it out there and, and want people to experience it um so yeah that's that's where i'm at with the cosmic looking glass and then i just i keep coming up with all these other different experiences and the idea is you know ultimately what I want to build is just a place where you can go and do all of these different experiences and have whatever it is, you know, cause Sean Enton, that's actually how we really started connecting in VR is he got inside the cosmic looking glass and he's like, I could do this every day. I, I could do it every day. I'm like, yeah, you do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's work it into your workout routine. Um, but I would love to build out a whole library of experiences for whatever it is you want to call into your life, you know, if the cosmic looking glass is really about slowing yourself down, listening, healing, you know, you could do the inverse, which would be how to get yourself pumped up, how to get ready to charge the day. And I guess in some ways they're the same thing, but yeah, I just, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for the space. And the more that I work in the space, the more that I, I, I just think that human development is such a powerful place for virtual reality to go because everyone's trying to make it a video game. Everyone's trying to make it, you know, um, Lord of the Rings or Halo or shoot them up or this, that, and the other thing. Um, but some of my training, I've, I've been I've been training police officers as well in the space. And, it's like, uh, yeah, how, how you, if you're going to do it, like, what is it doing to move your life forward? How, what's it doing to raise consciousness? Right. I mean, that's what we need. We need to, you know, not just create some virtual reality to disconnect from our misery, but to, maybe face it and build tools and skills to, to handle it so we can change things. Yeah. And then once you start looking at it as that potential, as like, it's no longer the escape, it's just a place to go to take a time out and recharge and refuel yourself. Then, then suddenly everything opens up, you know, you look at all the world as, as the possibility you say, listen, what if we just make something that, you want to go into 15 minutes in the morning, boom, maybe even 15 minutes at night. And you just, you're just saying, if I can do this over an extended period of time, um, I can make myself healthier. I can make myself stronger. I can create possibilities and, and, and bring them forth and manifest them into the world. So that's really, that's really what gets me excited nowadays. There's so many possibilities with that in sports and stuff. I would just, you, you could like sit there and shoot hoops and see yourself just, doing it 500 times, making a shot every time. And then when you go shoot hoops, you'd shoot better. Right. No yeah. question. They, they did that. They actually took somebody it's been done in music too. Like they take somebody that's two people that have never played the piano. They put one, they actually play the piano. The other one, they just kind of 
imagine that they're playing the piano with the keys and stuff, learning a song, and then they set them both down and they're almost equivalent. They're and sometimes the one that hadn't even touched it actually plays it better. Same thing with shooting free throws. I know Tony Robbins talked about that years ago where they had a person shoot 500 free throws a day, literally, another one, close their eyes and visualize the perfect stance, the perfect shot, the perfect form, shoot, swish, shoot, swish 500 times. And they lined them up. And the one who did basically their own virtual reality in their mind um, actually made more hoops than the one that practiced really with a basketball. <laughs> Isn't it just so fascinating what's going on in the mind space? You know, it, it reminds me a bit of during pandemic, like they shut down all the jujitsu gyms. And so I was like, all right, well, we're opening up a jujitsu gym at my backyard, then let's do it. And I yeah. had pe people coming over and training and I'm like, I guess I'm teaching jujitsu now. <laughs> and I gotta say like teaching jujitsu is the secret to being good at jujitsu. Like mm -hmm. teaching anything is the secret yes. to getting good at it. Cause suddenly what you were just kind of like half-assed working through, you have to like break it down and you have to break it down in a way to, th to like think about how someone else is gonna be able to receive it and take it in. And like, the, again, it goes back to that NLP, the more ways you touch something, the more, the more powerfully it, it exists inside of you. Um, so yeah, yeah it's really much. cool stuff. So what have been some of the um, experiences people have had using the cosmic looking glass guided meditation? Sure. So, I mean, that really takes us into Sean Enton, which is Sean has had this stroke 10 years ago and he has just dedicated his life to like getting his life back together yeah. because originally the doctors looked at him they said, Hey, this is what you can't do. You can't walk. You're not going to be able to go to work anymore. You're not going to be able to do any of these things that you love anymore. And you need to just get used to that and accept that. And Sean Enton, like the warrior that he is, is like, no way. Get out of my room. Get people in here who are going to tell me what I can do. Tell me what's possible. Tell me what I can work towards. Give me something to go for. And so he goes and he builds oh, basically a, a home laboratory in his garage where he's working with oxygen, he's working with TheraBody, he's got a personal trainer that he's with, and he's just doing everything he can to get his life back together. And so, you know, over the years, he, he gets out of the wheelchair, he, he can walk again. Um, you know, he sounds great, but he... Well, let's but he, just think about that for a moment. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. Like, he can walk again. He like, can walk again. We he talk can. about that, but it's like, I mean, when, uh, you know, I've, I have a few friends that, uh, you know, can't walk. This is a, this is a huge thing. You know, sometimes people complain like, oh, you know, there's nobody parking in the handicap spots. I got to park over here and walk an extra 15 steps. Uh, well, I'll bet the handicap people would rather have their legs and they'd park two blocks away and, and, and jog over. They'd be very happy to do that. <laughs> Getting, being able to walk again is a big freaking deal. The doctor said, you can't do it. He said, I can, I will, I shall. Yeah. And he, he can walk and he can drive a car and he lives his life and he's an active person and just an absolute inspiration to me. So he brings me in because like we totally kick it off on the jujitsu route. He's like, you got to come in, you got to right. do all my tech so that you can, you can feel what it's like to have this like pure oxygen coursing through your veins. And I brought over the headset like unbeknownst to him. And so I put him in the headset and he's like, holy shit, wow. And he looks down at his left arm, which has been paralyzed for the past 10 years. And he sees it. He sees it inside virtual reality. He's like, Parker, I, I haven't looked at my left hand in a decade. 
because because that was the thing is is he wasn't using it it wasn't part of his his schema it was just a dead appendage in his mind and he goes do you think that this could help me heal and i was like i mean fuck it you're doing all this work anyway let's give it a shot like let's just work it into the ritual that is so is this the cosmic looking glass or the other tech this is the cosmic looking glass. oh okay cool yeah so that was where it began i said i said just go slow with it because virtual reality for a lot of people the first time they put it on it, it it can be overwhelming yeah and especially with with you know what's going on with his brain i was just like just go slow luckily that experience is a very restful easy thing to do and i said just let's do it once a day for a week for two weeks let's see if that helps you and he and he was feeling great with it he's like parker i feel relaxed i feel like my interactions with other people are less scatterbrained i feel focused i'm like that's that's amazing in the meantime i didn't even tell him but like I'm just going through and researching everything that's going on inside, inside um, stroke therapy space. And so I come back to his place a couple of weeks later and I bring my VR camera and I'm like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try something. We're going to try and build something for you. And so we sit him down and we capture his body um, and we use his right hand as a proxy for his left hand. And I just set him down with this VR camera and I say, just Sean, I'm going to talk you through these exercises. And I just want you to do it with your right hand. I know this is going to be nothing. This is with the new technology, not the. So this will be, yeah. So not this the is, cosmic looking glass. Now this is the custom homemade thing that you built. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, I want you to pick up on that story because this is the big reason why I wanted you to come on the show. This is listeners. This is what I talked about in the beginning where Sean hasn't moved his arm in 10 years. And all of a sudden in like one session, his arms moving. And then not too long later, he's lifting his arm clear above his head. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back with my guest, Parker Howell. Now, you guys know I'm all about nature. We are an expression of nature. We are nature. But, um, you know, there's this thing called technology, right? And technology can improve our lives. And here's a perfect example of it. And that's why I had Parker come on. Um, I was really excited because I didn't know anything, dude, about the yoga and the Reiki background. So this is just like a bonus gift um, that you're able to bring to the show today and um, but you know what when you follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability every moment of every day with no insistence on a particular outcome guess what happens synchronicities line up so that's how I've it's literally my business plan it's my life plan what I just said that's how I do things and I just I just should expect I just I'm just expecting it I'm expecting the I'm I knew it I great things are going to happen when you do that so Anyway, so I just hope everybody always does that. Follow your highest excitements. It's just worked well so well for me. So anyway, let's get into this tech. So now you got Sean. His arm ain't working for 10 years. You're like, I'm going to build this deal. And you're super tech savvy. So what did you build? 
So we built essentially a neuroplasticity trainer is what we're calling it. And the idea is that it's very common in stroke victims to um, have part of their body paralyzed. Essentially, you know, the right lobe of his, his brain is damaged uh, from the stroke and it, it, the part that controls the motor function left, left arm is, is now damaged. So the classic way that one of the classic treatments for this is called the mirror box. And how the mirror box works is you stick the paralyzed limb inside this mirror box and you look down at this mirror box and you do these exercises with both hands at the same time. And your brain is feeling the expression of you moving your hand and it's connecting it with the visual of seeing that mirror of the other hand moving it. And so what we did is we just created a custom experience for Sean um, that allows him to look at his left hand um, and it walks him through all these different exercises and he sees his hand waking up. He sees his hand coming back to life. And, and the whole idea is that as soon as you just start connecting those little nodes in the brain, as soon as you start giving more reasons to do it and you are basically giving this positive feedback, like, Hey, you're trying and you're getting success. Um, the ultimate goal is to mitigate that information from one part of the brain to another. So you find basically new place from which that motor function can, can live and rewire the synapses and bring back mobility. Um, so we build the thing from Sam Morris, our dear friend, uh, amazing coach, uh, life coach. Um, yeah. For our I, long-term listeners, we've had, we've had Sam on the show. He's yeah. a great dude. He's, he's incredible. And, and so we had him then go and do all the voicing for it. And he, he coaches Sean through the whole experience of, of doing it. And there's a few different versions. There's like a really simple version, which is like very minimal movement. And we work up to like advanced levels for him to train at. And I was just like, again, Sean, like you, your trainer, just do this every day, wake up in the morning, get your blood flowing, do the cosmic looking glass, like chill your body out and then go in and do this work inside with, with this neuroplasticity trainer. And let's just see what happens. You know, you know, you're the perfect example for this because you are driven and you believe you can do it. And so, you know, I kind of let him on his way and, and they start training. And two weeks later, he calls me up. He goes, Parker, you're not going to believe this. When I was done with my session today, I couldn't get my headset off of my head. And I was like, what does that mean, Sean? He's like, I couldn't get the headset off of my head because my arm was lodged on top of it. My formerly paralyzed arm had ended up on top of my head and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And I was like, I was like, what level of mobility did you have? He's like, Parker, I didn't have anything. <laughs> it's like now my head, hands above my head. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's, um, let's keep go. Going. <laughs> let's keep going. Let's see what happens. And so I go back to his place a few, a few weeks later with the camera and he's like, watch this. <laughs> and now he's, he's, he's lying on the ground with a, with a bench press and he's bench pressing a bar like above himself. no, no camp virtual reality thing. No virtual reality at all. He's just there. It's him and his trainer is spotting him. Um, it's like, it's not a heavy bar by any means, but like he's making, he's, he's like making, how big was his smile? His, his smile is always, it's always lights up the room, man. It's Sean Enton. He's the stroke hacker. He's the most <laughs> inspirational guy. I know, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and so you know i'm just i'm just like floored i'm like okay well how do we do this and he just kind of looks at me and he's like well parker you know he's like i'm the stroke hacker i'm a known entity in the space so he's like when you're ready to get this out there i'll blast it out there it's like you're gonna have you're gonna have thousands of people who are gonna want to come and and train and figure out this and he's just like you got to figure out first how you're going to deal with that and how you're going to how you're going to scale it and how you're going to get it out there um so that's what i'm working on right now is just trying to figure out how to how to do this because you know it's it's tricky like the current system you know really requires a virtual reality op to come in and and capture everybody and go through this whole this whole piece um and then you know the other part is just how do you get someone in the physical therapy world to implement this, you know, and mm -hmm. help them and work with them and get them going. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, you got your beta test already with Sean. So that's cool. Yeah. So I've got my beta test and, you know, I'm taking meetings with some different people, some different universities trying to figure out basically, okay, what's, what's the next step? Because I, I really, I really believe, you know, that this is based off really tried and true tech. And that it's just like a perfect use of of this new VR, and um, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. And part of coming on your show is just kind of put the signal out there and see if maybe there's someone who's listening. Maybe there's someone in your network who knows the right people to help us get this out there and, and get start helping people with it. Well, I sure hope so, dude. That's really cool. I mean, because just because I know Sean, I mean, it's just such a wonderful story. Like going from not using your arm in 10 years and after using this trainer now he's doing bench press with the, with a bar i mean that's with his left arm yeah like this is beyond just like he's uh, people would be happy just to get a little dexterity back let alone like lift your arm up and start using it. it's like i'll bet he's like he's committed to getting full use of his arm back now he is he is so committed and he is on the path and and i am i'm just so excited you know i just we we keep in touch and i'm just like trying to figure out like how can we make it better? How can we take it to the next level? And uh, yeah. I think, you know, you I think it, it's, it's a long journey. It's already at the next level. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's next level right now. I mean, sure, everything can always be improved on. But, I mean, if you take somebody that hasn't used their arm in 10 years and now they're using their arm with that technology, that's something that needs to be, needs to be out there. So, well, dude, um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And um, I, I hope that uh, – um, that the people listening to this show um, will definitely share this episode to get it out there. So maybe more people can listen to it. Maybe there's somebody listening right now that um, has the funds or in the interest um, to do something like this and they could, you can get a hold of you. So how do people get a hold of you if they want to, you know, help all these people that have, you know, lost mobility and stuff and get their mobility back? Sure. Um, you know, you can always check out kind of my work basically at parkerhowell.com. And, um, you know, my email is, is real simple. It's Parker at parkerhowell.com. And um, yeah, you know, we're, we're taking people on with, with the current state of um, this neuroplasticity trainer, but it's, it's, it's kind of slow moving, you know, doing people one at a time. So yeah, yeah trying to figure out how to scale it. That's the way it always starts sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Take it out of the garage, you know, proof of concept, get some money behind you, get some backers and then kind of launch it and then just keep improving it. And before too long, 
house it'll just be you know parker howell will be synonymous with you know helping people in that space get their movement back it's a pretty cool thing dude it's really it's a real special episode and i i really hope the people that are listening if this isn't you know i hope you got something out of it always on my show or when i'm doing group coaching and stuff i tell people like look if you can just get one thing out of this talk today that you can actually you get inspired enough or get you to drive you towards some education where you can then take action with that theory, whether it's here or led you to a theory that improves your life, we had a win. We had a huge win. And um, and it could be just, you know, the people listening, just sharing this with somebody else that might lead to that person. So think about if you're listening today, imagine stroking out and not being able to use your legs or your arms again, or getting like we had uh, Cody Smith, episode 99. He was a Navy veteran and he, his motorcycle guy pulled out in front of him and he, he, he's crashed into this car with his motorcycle and severed his spine was pronounced dead on the scene. His wife's home pregnant five months with a baby. And he came back and, you know, he lost his legs, uh, movement from his legs, you know, below that where his spine severed, he can't move his legs, but he's a CrossFit competitor. I'm sure he would be interested in this technology. Right. So it's just stuff like that, man. It's just like, it's really cool what you're doing. I think it's a, a really awesome thing. And there's, so if you're listening, this is, this is the this is the pay it forward thing. This is the ripple effect where like sharing this episode could literally not just maybe get the money to Parker or, or it might be at the right place for the person, but it could help it could help thousands of people get 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 their movement back. Even if they got twenty five percent or fifty, I mean that would be like people would just believe me when you can't when you can't use something. And I know because I, I I hurt my shoulders just having an injury and it just sucks. When you don't have full mil- full mobility, right? Or even if you have like ten- tinnitus or something, or or, or or if you have um, arthritis in your arm and you you're trying to pick something up and it, it's just painful, and then you can get that mobility back. That's what I'm all about. I want people to wake up and feel good. And what you're doing is um, definitely helping people do that, brother. So I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much, Tim. I I really appreciate being here, and I, I just want to thank you too because I I think what you're bringing to the world through your show is is invaluable just any way with which people can be more conscious with how they take on their health, with how they live their lives. Like it's, that's where everything begins. It's just taking care of yourself and the people around you. So I, awesome, I appreciate dude. it. Awesome. Really appreciate you. So Parker Howell, ladies and gentlemen, you can check him out at parkerhowell.com. That's P A R K E R H O W E L L.com or Parker at Parker, Parker at parkerhowell.com. That's his email. So I'll put that in the show description down below. And again, thank you listeners. I love you guys um, um, so much for what you do to motivate me. You just keep showing up and listening. And um, I really appreciate, uh, we get a lot of emails in for people just saying, hey, love your show and it's changed my life and all this cool stuff. And it's like, man, I just, that, that makes me like, it brings tears in my eyes just to think about it. So I hope this episode inspired you um, and can help you or somebody in your friends or family in your life or somebody in your community have a better quality of life. So until next time, change yourself, change your world. And I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. Ha, ha, ha.